A reading from the Gospel of Luke. On one occasion, when Jesus was home to the house, was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by the host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then, in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, a very, very special welcome to students being back. We're so happy you're here. We've missed you. Uh, and we just are looking forward to a year of being able to serve you however we can. Uh, and uh, especially throughout the sermon, you're going to start to smell delicious food being cooked, and that's not your mind playing tricks on you. It is the food that we will eat after this service. I hope you can join us. Um, a little over 10 years ago, right after my wife and I got married, we were living in New York City, and a movie came out. The, the biggest movie in the world was The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger and you know, Christian Bale, the Batman film. And uh, we got tickets for opening night. I knew we needed to see it on opening night, but we got to the theater late, one of these enormous theaters on the east side of Manhattan. And um, the only two seats were the very front row on the far left. So basically, right over here. And uh, it, was when an, it was an IMAX theater, frankly. And so we were recently married, but I thought, you know, I needed to stick to my guns. And so we sat there for three hours, craning our necks in such a way that both of us were sore for the rest of the week. And we didn't know really what the movie was even about. My wife was very confused about who, who, why I had such loyalty to the caped crusader. Um, but that was the least of her... <laughs> <laughs> worries at that point. Um, where you sit matters. 
where you sit matters. I was at a, a wedding yesterday, and the bride had a lot of bridesmaids. And in order to, to play it safe, she made sure that the bridesmaids were lined up alphabetically, rather than she didn't want to, any suggestion that they were lined up in order of preference or closeness or intimacy. And so I thought it was a very democratic, very nice move. Of course, then after the service was finished, we... Um, we went and found where we were seated at the reception, and we all figured out very clearly our relation to the bride and groom and sort of the levels of closeness. You know, some people were seated at table nine, you know, next to the bathroom, and some were seated, you know, right next to the bride and groom. So where you sit uh, matters. Um, then, of course, I cannot help but think every year when the students come back that you have, uh, you have to brave those dining halls. And especially if you're a first year and you're still eating at dining halls, you need to go in there and figure out where on earth you're going to sit. And high school was like that. Now college is like it. And um, many of us still have anxiety dreams about that that process. Am I going to sit with these people? Am I going to sit with those people? Am I going to sit by myself? Am I going to act like I'm planning to sit by myself and look at my phone even though I'd really like to meet someone? I mean, I don't know what exactly it is for you, but there is a pecking order that you see lined out at dining halls. And where you sit matters. Where you sit matters. Now, tonight we just heard read a gospel passage just about seating charts. It's about seating charts, and anyone who's put together a dinner party recently, maybe you can relate. Jesus is at the house of a Pharisee, meaning a very rule-oriented religious leader. He's been invited to this dinner, but it's tense. It's a tense event. It's one of many awkward dinner parties that Christ attends in the New Testament. And it says, in fact, that they are watching him closely. Watching him closely, meaning in in sort of modern parlance, there, people are suspicious of Jesus, and they've kind of got their phones ready to take a video in case he does something incriminating or embarrassing so that they can sort of really build a case against Jesus. Now, he doesn't help anything because he decides to lecture them about dinner party etiquette at the middle of the dinner party that they're having. This is not how to make friends and influence people. He notices that everyone is coming in and and where you sat at the table was sort of corresponded to your position uh, in this uh, religious world. And he noticed people making sure that they sat in one place and not another. And he decides to basically uh, tell them not to do that. Not to do that, even though they've already done it. He says, don't take the seat of honor. Whatever you do, unlike, you know, these people right here, take the lowered seat. Because most of these uh, gatherings, these meals, the more honored people would have arrived later. It was not just fashionably late. It was sort of a convention that you would get there later. And so like a late night talk show, you would not want someone to show up and bump you in public. It was very embarrassing. And yet Christ observes people seating themselves in a way that indicates uh, who is the most important. They walk in, they size up the crowd, they compare themselves to other people, and then they choose the seat with the highest rank. 
It's a little bit like sort of, uh, you know, uh, 19th century England. There's a new Downton Abbey movie out right now. And you know you have the titled aristocracy followed by the untitled aristocracy, followed by the landed gentry, followed by those people who, have to, who deign to work for a living, followed by those who are upper servants and then lower servants. It's very stratified in terms of social class. This would have been equally stratified, but religiously speaking. People would have known their place. Now, we may not live in a, in a world that at least consciously talks that much about social class or uh, religious um, you know, uh, stratification, but we have all sorts of strata, all sorts of strata. We are human beings. We love to rank ourselves. We believe that the higher we rank, the higher we score, the more esteem we garner from other people, which is really the more love we receive. And we're all desperate for love, are we not? And so we approach any number of venues in our lives asking the question, am I enough? Am I seated in the right place? You come here as a student and, all of, and you get grades and you will find out exactly where you stand vis-a-vis your peers. If you're a professor, you teach and then you get reviewed and you find out where you stand in the eyes of the students. If you don't care about any of that, you're long out of school, well, maybe you rank yourself according to who gets the most dinner party invitations in the first place. I don't know. We rank ourselves according to our children's performance. I'm going through Little League right now, and that batting order is important. I mean, heaven forbid you're late in the order. We rank ourselves according to the kind of car we drive. Maybe we're embarrassed or we make excuses. We find ourselves doing that when we feel insecure. We talk about the house we live in. I know someone who um, was recently refused a dinner party invitation because she said, I know that this person's house is so nice that I will feel terrible about myself for two months. And you know, that might be superficial, but it's honest. You know, and in case you, you don't care about social etiquette, well, then, then there's always the Internet, right? There's always the Internet, which basically exists, as far as I can tell, for, for Netflix and for ranking each other, for judging other people and yourself. You know, I'm talking about tallying the number of likes you receive, the number of comments, the views, the shares. I released a book in the early uh, part of the year, and Amazon so, so graciously provides a, 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 a ranking of my work that is updated on an hourly basis. So every single morning, I have an actual number I can hang my self-regard on. It's incredible. Just kidding. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. Um, but this isn't something that we grow out of. If you go to visit the nursing home, there's a pecking order in the nursing home. There will be the people that have the best room and those that don't have as good of a room. There will be those who who have pride of place in the dining hall. There will be those who have actual seniority amongst the seniors. These things, we may know know intellectually that our our grading scale, that our, our measuring apparatus is faulty. We may know that it's arbitrary. We may be able to see through it intellectually, but it still, it still hurts. There's still teenagers crying themselves to sleep at night and, you know, grown men getting extremely depressed when they get looked over for a promotion because the ranking system, no matter what they might say to your face, 
It, 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 it is an emotional thing. So Jesus sees what's going on. He sees the way people rank, and he says, go and sit down at the lowest place. Now notice he doesn't say, um, rank yourself a little more honestly, people. He doesn't say, um, you clearly shouldn't be sitting that high, but hey, there's some worse people here. You should be sitting kind of in the middle. You're, you're, not, you're not that bad, but you're also not that good. Just be more honest, be more accurate in your self-appraisal. But that, you know, that's a different kind of burden, you know? That's almost, that's almost worse than just all pretending to um, be better than we are, <laughs> right? Um, he doesn't say that. By urging us to take the lowest seat, he's not urging us to adopt false humility. Jesus is urging us to get out of the ranking game entirely. Don't even play. Don't even play. Now you'll notice that the invitation itself is not up for grabs. You know, these are all people that have, been, that have made the grade. They've all gotten to, 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 to the dinner party. But isn't it so classic that once we get in the inner circle, we create a new inner circle? Once you get, you get into UVA, and then you're like, wow, I did it. Then you get there and you realize there's all sorts of new inner circles you can, you can, you can get into. And, and, and maybe you graduate and you get your, your season tickets at Scott Stadium. It's like, well, where are you seated? Um, are you in a box? Okay, which box? The higher you climb, the longer the rungs get. And this, this is a sort of universal. So why does Jesus then say, go and sit down at the lowest place? I think two reasons I would put forward. He knows, one, that our, yes, all of our measuring sticks are indeed faulty. They're, they're the wrong ones. Uh, and they're crooked. We don't really see ourselves or other people clearly. I mean, just talk to the people that are closest to you and hear how they see you versus how you see yourself. We are not trustworthy arbiters of our own place in the pecking order. And even if we were, Christ goes so far as to reverse, to invert the normal pecking order. He says, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He is gesturing at his great ethic, the great ethic of the gospel, where those who are powerful are powerful because they're there to serve. So CEOs um, are, are, are there not to protect their bonuses, but to, to encourage and serve their employees. Husbands and wives are not there uh, are, to control one another and manage each other, but actually to love and serve one another. Professors are not here to consider it a your great privilege that you get to sit in their presence, but in fact, they are there to serve their students. What a beautiful world that would be. But secondly, Jesus says this because he knows that a life of establishing ourselves in the pecking order is exhausting. It's a life driven by, occupied by fear, in which you see other people not as neighbors, but as threats to your own standing, your own rank. Other people become not those to love and encourage and survive and be on an adventure with. They become people to manipulate and manage and possibly cast off. Plus, this is to say nothing of the fact that we all know that we don't deserve whatever ranking we actually have. People only knew well, then we would be a few rungs lower, wouldn't we? But then, in classic Jesus fashion, a funny thing happens. 
He says to his hearers, he says, if you take the bottom seat, the last seat, if you opt not to play, what will happen? Well, the host will come over and tell you, friend, friend, move up higher. The host will come to you. The host will condescend. The host will descend the ladder of ranking and do so with good news and welcome and invitation and relationship. Christ is referring to himself. He's referring to the God who descended to earth to take the form of a little baby full of humility who then grew up to be a man who was crucified as a criminal devoid of honor. A man who was in fact tyrannized by those whose pecking order he threatened. And yet, when he's crucified on that that bloody cross, the message that speaks to us throughout the ages is that your honor, your value, your belovedness is not determined by who you perceive yourself to be, what you perceive your rank to be, nor is it determined by your past, nor even your present. Your rank, your identity is determined by how God sees you. And he sees you as someone for whom he is willing to die. Someone for whom he emptied himself of all honor. Someone for whom he willingly took the last place. I'll give you a final image, then I'm finished. Thomas Wolfe wrote a book called Look Homeward Angel. He's one of these authors that... People all used to read before they realized it was really boring. Um, Just kidding. It's a great book, but though I'm much higher on the Amazon rankings than he is right now. (laughs) Look Homeward Angel is a masterpiece, and it's a coming-of-age story about a boy named Eugene Gant. It's set in a small southern city in the early 1900s, and in one scene, Gant is 12 years old, which means he is (laughs) the time of his school life where just about everything involves pecking and being pecked at by those in charge, those with the power. And now poor Eugene, he's low down on the rankings of his school. He's not popular, but there is one person, at least one below him, a Jewish boy, In fact, the only Jewish child in the school. All the boys tormented this young man. He was, as Wolf writes, the target of concentrated abuse. But then Wolf writes that Eugene thought of this young Jew later with piercing shame. For not only did he join in the persecution of that boy, Eugene was also glad at heart because of the existence of someone weaker than himself, someone at whom the flood of ridicule might be directed. Years later, it came to him that on the narrow shoulders of that Jew lay a burden he might otherwise have borne, that the overladen heart was swollen with a misery that might have been his. Well, my friends, the flood of ridicule, the burden of shame and guilt and insecurity and the fallout of our endless jockeying for position has been laid on the shoulders of another Jew, Jesus Christ himself, who though he was strong, made himself weak. And though he was first, 
made himself last. This Jesus, who said about himself, he said, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, he knew the cost of being last. He suffered it. He himself was pecked at, pecked at to death. And yet he did give his life as a ransom for many. And by many, I mean you. And I mean me. This Christ who suffered, that we might enjoy that banquet which is to come. That banquet before which he comes to you and to me today and says simply, friend, move up higher. Amen.